25 seconds left to play. You're listening to the Matt Wyatt Show. I want winners. This crowd is alive. Play to win the game. Wyatt from the shotgun, two backs alongside. Knock him out, John. Wyatt gets the ball. It won't be long. Wyatt back to throw. Wyatt looks. Fires toward the end zone. Passes. Caught for touchdown by Matthew Butler. Speak to They are who we thought they were. And we let them off the hook. I get out of hand. Just, just tell me I'm a jerk and shut up. Let's go scatter the West right tight. That's left. 372 Y sticks. He's The Matt Wyatt Show. He's Radio Wyatt. Well, how am I going to go to college? I'll just play football. Here we go. You made it to Friday. How about that? Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, can you tell I'm tickled about it? Friday, the weekend almost upon us, and somewhere, in some cases, it's already the weekend. As for here, though, a couple of hours with you on the radio, excited about that here, and some cool stuff coming your way in the Farm Bureau studio. Farm Bureau, go with the home team. They are your home team at Farm Bureau, local agents. Competitive rates, fast service, friendly service. What else can you ask for? Nothing. It's a great way to do business, the way they handle things at Farm Bureau Insurance. They're available to you in all 82 counties across the great state of Mississippi. Local agents that will answer the phone, their personal cell phone, when you call them around the clock. It's the way it should be. Welcome in. Howdy ho, neighbors. Roger, it's Friday, old buddy, old pal. You made it. I did. I did. Well, you it's know, early yet. Yeah, it's early. Right. Well, we made it to Friday. <laughs> did I say we made it to the weekend? We made it to Friday. Yeah. Hallelujah. Hey, uh, coming up in about five, well, a little less than five minutes from now, we're going to chat it up on the Divinity Equipment phone line with Steve Robertson. He is Scout Steve R on Twitter. Y'all know who Steve is. Affectionately referred to as Rose Bowl. Our friend, friend of the show, friend of the station, and does a great job covering Mississippi State. We'll talk a little recruiting with him, and if you listen to this show, you know, uh, yesterday and the day before, there's some chatter about the potential of a transfer quarterback, K.J. Costello, coming in to visit the former Stanford QB. Let's see what Steve knows and, uh, you know, maybe what his gut is telling him about the possibility of that. You know, marriage, if you want to use that word, of that marriage happening. Now, as we do that, before we get into the conversation with Steve, the text line is open to you beginning right now. Here it is, 885-ESPN, 885-ESPN. It's a 601 number. If you need the number instead of the letters, it's 885-3776. Text me, man. I'll read it. You can also give us a call later on. And here in the studio, call me on the Divinity Equipment phone, 995-1059. That also is a 601 number, 995-1059. And how about the Facebook? If you're tuned in on Facebook, hey, how y'all doing? Folks over here on the Facebook live stream today, just beginning here on this Friday in the Farm Bureau studio, facebook.com slash Radio Wyatt. Sharon, the first to comment. And she says, I love that hat. Well, let me just tell you. It's a brand spanking new one. I just pulled it out of the box before the show. And 
after pulling it out of the box, adjusting the strap on the back there to fit my big old head, and placing it on my noggin, immediately I have decided that this is my favorite hat too. It is a baseball a, vibe there. Yeah, it it does, and it's a little. It's not the um, what would you call it? It's not the breathable. What am I trying to say? Not the stretchy, breathable type material. Like, like an adjustable band. It's that I kind of lean away from the ones with the little pop things you put on there. Oh, yeah. Like the, yeah. That adjustable belt. Yeah. Well, this material is more the cotton, uh, so it's a little better for a bald-headed guy this time of year. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's going to keep my head warm <laughs> a little bit. It hey, is. show those salt rings so bad. Yeah, that's right. That's right. It's a white hat. <laughs> that's right, Roger. Sweat away. <laughs> Sweat away. Nobody will ever see it. It's an official Adidas hat, but on the front, in kind of a script, it's just the word state, and I've always liked that. I, I've always thought that, you know, the hail state is great. I've always kind of felt like uh, everybody could do a better job of branding Mississippi State as just state, you know? But uh, So I like it. And the thing about it is, again, Sharon, I like the hat. I like the way it looks and all that. But, man, I put it on. It fits perfect. It sits on my head just right. It's going to keep my noggin warm this time of year. So it's now officially my favorite hat. This is a great show so far. We're just getting started, but I got a great hat on. From, oh, by the way, I got the hat from uh, the Mississippi State University golf course. My man over there, Adam Scott, just got promoted up to directing the PGA program at State. boy, Adam! Proud for you. Yeah, I got this hat from the Mississippi State University golf course. Y'all can get one, too. Hit them up on Twitter at Hale State GC. You know what the GC stands for? Golf course! <laughs> That's the way it works. You um, know the thing about that hat, though, is it works anywhere. Hmm? Oh, state? Any state. Any state. <laughs> Somebody told me a while back that one rule of thumb in scheduling future opponents, Roger, never play a state that isn't a state. Boise State. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. That makes sense now. Right. Memphis State. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what's not, that about? They're man? not Memphis Jeez, State Louise. anymore. <laughs> right. But that was a funny deal. And the show's good, too, because I have uh, my mug from High Point Roasters in New Albany, and it's I just poured some hot coffee in there. Straight from High Point Roasters in New Albany. That Hawaiian blend is the real deal, by the way, highpointroasters.com. And it's also a great show because right now, this very minute, on the Divinity Equipment phone, my friend, your friend, affectionately referred to these days as Rose Bowl. We know him as Steve Robertson, author, and uh, really just man at large. Hey, what's up, Steve? Good to talk to you. Good to talk to you, Matt. And, and uh, I enjoyed the hat conversation as a person that uh, has kind of become synonymous with a hat as of late. So it's always good to have him. So. Yeah, I'm all about hats for an entirely different reason than you. Um, I will ask you though. <laughs> I will ask you though. So um, you had the first book tour, uh, Steve. Remind me of the name of the first book. I'm just drawing a total blank. It's Flim Flam. Flim Flam. Yes. Okay. So Flim Flam, the first one, and now you're on the second book tour for Stark Villains. You were in. We were mentioning Memphis State. Uh, lovingly, they're not Memphis State anymore. You were in Memphis recently uh, doing the book tour thing. How's it going? I know you're putting in a lot of miles. 
It's great. You know, it's, it's, uh, the holidays are real taxing, you know, because you're on the road. Sometimes you have multiple signings, you know, six or seven days a week. This time it's a little different. You know, it's a couple of days a week. And I was in Memphis last night with the, uh, with the Alumni Association. I had a great crowd. And, uh, you know, it's like people ask me, are you really going to write another book this year? And the answer to that question is yes. I'm writing the sequel to Stark Villains. And when I go out and you go to places like Memphis or Booneville and, and uh, you're having a chance to kind of celebrate Mississippi State, with people you don't normally get to hang with, you know, why would I ever deny myself that opportunity? And so I'm looking forward to finishing this book tour and uh, getting to work on the next one. Adam boy, y'all follow him on Twitter. If you don't already at scout, Steve R Steve conversation has popped up the last two days, uh, even more so yesterday about the possibility of KJ Costello quarterback transferring to Mississippi state, former Stanford kid. As of here on this Friday, we have any knowledge, any updates? Is it still on schedule that he's going to visit state this weekend? Yeah, that's that's absolutely the plan. And uh, you know, he's the guy that had a pre-existing relationship with Mike Leach and the staff at Washington State, and uh, he's transfers a grad transfer from from Stanford. And so, when they come in, they kind of bring that relationship with them and this is a guy who's thrown for over 6100 yards in the pac 12 because the first thing that people hear is a grad transfer quarterback they think oh this is some cast off kid that couldn't get on the field that's not the case for him and he got injured last year and uh trying to get into grad school and as he and several other players found out at stanford that uh that's not it's easier said than done to get into grad school at stanford and so he's looking for another place to play for his final year of college eligibility and right now it looks like mississippi state is in a driver's seat in the driver's seat, meaning, you know, a hundred percent being the, you know, fully confident, zero percent being not confident at all. Where are you? I'm about eighty-five. I mean, I think if he comes in this weekend and has a good visit, I think there's a really good chance that he'll be a February signee. I know he has some opportunities to take visits next weekend. I understand he hasn't settled any of those plans, and that's kind of contingent on how things happen this weekend. Of course, Mississippi State's got some other options themselves next weekend, but I just kind of get the feeling if he comes in this weekend and things meet his expectations and the staff is happy with him, but I think you could see something happen sooner rather than later with K.J. Costello and Mississippi State. Do you think um, that means that Garrett Schrader may be looking at you know, potentially having a redshirt year, or is this strictly a deal where somebody comes in, but Schrader has just as much a chance as anybody to compete and win the job? Yeah, I think it's still going to be an open competition because what's interesting is Costello is a spring graduate, you know, so he wouldn't have the opportunity to go through spring practice. So you're going to have, you know, Garrett Schrader and all these other quarterbacks, you know, Jalen Maiden, Keaton Thompson, uh, Will Rogers, to kind of compete in the spring and kind of get up to speed on the system a little quicker. And so, uh, you know, we'll see. The first question everybody always says is, well, if you bring in a grad transfer, does one this this get Garrett Strader leave? There's no way to know that. I mean, there's no way of us to think, well, you know, there's it's cut and dry because simply not. There's so many variables in that. But I think you bring a guy in as a stopgap guy and give those general quarterbacks an opportunity to, to learn, you know, the ideal situation last year, Matt, would have been if we could have redshirted Schrader and we weren't able to do the injury. So if you could get that year back to him, allow him to kind of physically mature and have a year to kind of understudy and get ready to possibly be the starter next year and set himself up to be a potential three-year starter, I think that works well too. 
Steve Robertson on your radio right now. Steve, there have also just been ongoing for months now questions about Keaton Thompson. Kind of a fan favorite after the way he played as a freshman. Then we didn't get to see him much this past year. What do you think? You think um, you think we're going to see Keaton at state for the long haul? I know it's unpredictable, but what do you think of it right now? Well, I think based on his skill set, that he is probably better suited for a you know traditional spread option style offense. And uh, in this particular brand of offense with the air raid, as you know, Matt, I mean, you're watching it in a person against Kentucky the, all those years is that mm-hmm. you got to find a quarterback that's incredibly accurate because you're going to be facing a lot of eight-man coverages and you're going to have people bailing out and you know, making you throw in the tight passing windows, and that's not really in his wheelhouse. I mean, you know, he's a guy that can you know, can play some of the deeper passing game, but he's a guy that really needs that running component to his game to kind of keep defenses guessing. And so it'll be an interesting spring. I understand he is in position to be a grad transfer post-spring. And uh, if I had to call it today, I'd say he probably moves on unless he changes positions. Uh, and I think anything is possible at this point. We saw some packages with him last year, late in the year, where he actually played some at receiver. I am a KT fan. But, you know, Matt, you get a short time in life to play ball. And if he's not going to be the starting quarterback here, he may just elect to go somewhere else, and we would absolutely wish him the best. Right. Jalen Maiden, after, um, I guess, taking a redshirt year, right, this past year. Am I right, Steve? How's that? Help me out because I lose track of their ages. Was he a first-year or second-year player this past year? Yeah, he, he was he's a second-year guy. Okay. And so, All right. so he'll be a redshirt sophomore this year. And, you know, I really – Probably a little bit better passer than KT, you know, but, uh, you know, accuracy, that's the issue in this offense. You know, if you miss, you got to miss small. And that's why I think the spring is going to be so, so incredibly interesting is because of the fact you've got these guys kind of jockeying for position and they're at, they're being asked to do some things they haven't done a whole lot of. And so it'll be very interesting. Yeah, I think so too. Going to be really a fun spring to watch as you've gone around and on the book tour and talked to fans. You get the feeling State may have a, a bigger crowd for the spring game this year just because of the changeover? You know, Matt, to put it bluntly with you, I think if uh, based on the fan enthusiasm after the Music City Bowl, we probably could have had the spring game in the Palmero Center and yeah. been able to accommodate the fans. But mm-hmm. uh, this time I think it might be one of those record-type crowds because everywhere I go, you know, listen, everybody was all excited about baseball, but nobody's talking about baseball. Nobody's even talking about really basketball quite that much. People are like, you know, what, man, this Mike Leach thing. Tell us about the defensive coordinator. And, you know, there is some buzz around football that really hadn't been there for a few years. And that even goes back to probably the last couple of years than Mullen being here. A lot of people really excited and invested in Mississippi State football again. Yeah. What do you say to this comment? Um, I got a text here from Josh on the text line, 885-ESPN, and he says, this whole transfer quarterback situation sounds like a rerun of the Coach Joe hire. Um, And I guess he's talking about this past year, Moorhead brought in Tommy Stevens. Um, Appropriate comparison or not? What do you think? Well, I can see it on his face why it would feel that way. The rest of that story is that Tommy Stevens was not a proven starter. I think he had played about 50 or 60 college snaps. And then he had an injury-prone career and comes in, and guess what? He's injury-prone here, too. And, and, and that's, you know, sadly, that is life in the big city. Uh, but K.J. Costello is a proven Power 5 starting quarterback. He is not a guy that is just simply looking uh, to find somewhere to play as a final year. 
This is a guy that is a potential NFL prospect, and so he needs to find a place where he can showcase his skills. And so I do understand the comparison, but it's not really an apples-to-apples type deal because you've got a really established guy looking for a second chance where Tommy Stevens is really kind of looking for a first chance. Steve, it almost sounds like spring practice, if you do, in fact, get the transfer in of Costello, it sounds like spring practice may be more about keeping an eye on receivers than quarterback. Like the quarterback thing will be something to watch in August, but this spring it'll be you'll be going out to kind of see how receivers are catching a ball and who's getting reps, right? Yeah, and that's the one personnel group that I think everybody kind of keeps an eye on. It's been that way for the last few years. But, you know, Gardner Minshew has said before that they would, they would play up to a dozen receivers a game sometimes, yeah. you know, and so – and that means there's going to be walk-ons. There's going to be guys like Austin Williams who's kind of been up and down the depth chart will have an opportunity. And, yeah, that's what's interesting. You look at some of these years, the last couple of years at Washington State, there have been times that some of their top receivers and their top three have been walk-ons. You know, and so they don't really care about how you got here. You know, we're all in the same boat now. We just need you to go catch a football. And so I think that's where college coaching takes over. you got an inside receivers coach and an outside receivers coach. And uh, now it's time to go get it. And some of these guys too, they want to, they want the football a lot more than they get it. And uh, you know, bad quarterback play has been uh, an issue the last couple of years. And so, if Mike Leach can coach up a guy, and those guys can go catch a football, it could be an exciting year. Steve Robertson on your radio right now. Steve, um, on the recruiting scene as it relates to guys that committed or to or signed with Joe Moorhead and staff. And whether or not they're going to stick around for Mike Leach and staff, is anybody leaving? Is anybody or is everybody going to stick and come on to state? Well, Benjamin Key, that's the defensive lineman out of uh, Los Angeles, originally from Australia. He uh, he is going to go ahead and sign on with Missouri, hmm. and uh, it's interesting, you know, how that all kind of transpires. But, uh, you know, these, these unpopular rumors get out there. Oh, the state's trying to trap these guys. That's not been the case at all. State obviously has continued to recruit those guys. But as it stands now, it looks like he'll be the only one uh, that'll go somewhere else. And, um, and again, that's unfortunate, but that's part of the process. I mean, you know, it's all about relationships, Matt. I mean, you know, if you, yeah. if you just don't feel comfortable with a place because the, the guy that was recruiting you is no longer there, uh, you make a move. And so we wish Benjamin Key well, but now Mississippi State will kind of move forward. And, and really the issue... And I think sometimes I read things on message boards, and uh, I don't think people fully get it. Mississippi State, because of those Tudor Gate scholarship restrictions, is looking at 83 for the next two years. And so, while you ordinarily might have some some room to work with, you know, State's really right there at that number now. And so, there's there's going to be some difficult decisions that have to be made here in the coming weeks as they get an signing day. It's, uh, I don't I don't think you're going to see this huge February signing. I think they'll sign a couple guys and then maybe save a couple spots for post-spring grad transfers, guys come in, maybe a, an older safety that can fill a need this year. Yeah. yeah. Well, and, you know, I guess that's the world we live in now, right, Steve, after the hard 25 number each year and the hard 85 on the totals. It's a, it's a numbers juggling act. And when you get a December signing day, a school like State goes out and signs 21, 22 players in December. I mean, it's just, it's pretty much haze in the barn at that point. 
Well, and not only that, too, but State doesn't get the Benjamin Key scholarship back. And uh, I, I talked to a couple people this morning, got some conflicting reports, and finally got a hold of uh, the source. Yeah. Uh, and so you don't get that scholarship back. Hmm. You know, if he doesn't enroll, obviously you can get him, you know, in December, you know, when those mid-year guys come in. But so Mississippi State doesn't have that spot to work with for 2020. And so you've already counted that as part of your – you know, your initials. And so those are the things that you kind of have to kind of work through. But the bottom line is state's probably not going to have room for all 25 without some attrition anyway, because of the 83. And so, and there'll be some guys leave. I mean, that's just the nature of things when you have a coaching change, but uh, they'll probably oversign by a couple, but I don't expect, you know, half a dozen or more. Right. Sure. Great information as always, Steve. Really do appreciate it here on a uh, Friday. I know you got baseball media day tomorrow. Get to hang out with Coach Lamonis and players. I hope to see you there. And you'll have your hat on, and I may even have my hat on from the Mississippi State University golf course. See you then, buddy. <laughs> Take care. All right. That's Steve Robertson. Y'all follow him on Twitter at Scout Steve R. You know, there's a lot of information in that interview. So, one, uh, his sources tell him KJ Costello. Visiting State this weekend, the plan is still on. The state, the leader in the clubhouse, maybe to get him. If he does come there, did I catch that right? You don't expect to see Costello go through spring practice. I'm going to text Steve and make sure y'all may have heard that. I think that's what he said. That's why I said it sounds like then that's the case, and he does come. Everybody's going to be going out and really paying close attention to receivers as well. And then the competition at quarterback may kick up later in the year once he gets there. Um, but that very interesting. Just getting started with you. Text messages coming up next in the Farm Bureau studio. Stick around. You're listening to the Matt Wyatt Show. Back on the show on a Friday. Got off to a good start. Great conversation with Steve Robertson on the Divinity Equipment phone. So speaking of that, phone line's now open to you. There it is. If you're watching the stream, check it out. 601-995-1059. That's the Divinity Equipment phone line. Divinity Equipment in Madison and in Jackson. Your Kubota dealer, the oldest Kubota dealer in the U.S., it means they've been doing it better longer than anybody else. That's Divinity, Highway 51, Madison, Divinity Drive in Raymond. Go check them out. Got an update. Let me hear it. We have a chicken hawk update. We got a chicken hawk update. He just called me during the break. Yes. He's doing, he's doing well. He had to go into the hospital, but he's back out and says, just get your basketball glove ready. He's going to be harassing us in about a week. All right. Well, we're looking forward to that, Chicken Hawk. Appreciate you listening uh, while you're over there in the uh, get well place. And so just continue getting well. And we'll see you and hear from you shortly. And thanks again for the deer meat. Man, that was nice stuff. I and my neighbors have enjoyed it. I asked him, how about he brought enough up here for like a whole deer? I'm telling you, man. Yeah. Somebody's, Somebody's pretty good out in the woods there. It was way more than one person could 
could handle. Uh, coming to your phone calls, but Roger, and I know you're answering one. Can you hear me real quick, though? Yeah, sure. Go ahead. Today is National Peanut Butter Day. Did you know that? I got why Chris asked me whether I wanted uh huh, chunky or smooth. <laughs> Did he have to clarify? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, when it comes to peanut butter, <laughs> if it's crunchy, I need to be made aware that it, before I bite down. Before you want to know right. ahead of time. Today, I need to know that it's going to have a little texture to it. <laughs> January the twenty fourth is National Peanut Butter Day. It recognizes an American staple in our pantries. Be careful how you read that. Whether creamy or chunky, with chocolate or with jelly, peanut butter gets the recognition it deserves each year on this day. The early peanut butter was made by the Aztecs and the Incas around 1000 B.C. It was more of a paste, not nearly as creamy as the peanut butter we know. If you want to see what the original peanut butter was like, do this. Go to South Alabama to Houston County. Dothan, Alabama, the county seat of Houston County, Alabama. Just walk around downtown Dothan, drive around. Eventually, you'll find someone with peanuts. Even this time of year, not freshly picked, but you can find peanuts. But just go buy some peanuts. Go get some planters. I don't know. Put them in a bowl and mash them up. You like boiled peanuts? Put them in a bowl and mash them up into a paste. <laughs> And then take what you have left and eat it. And that <laughs> is the original peanut butter experience that the Aztecs and Incas had 1,000 B.C. Yes, I love boiled peanuts. And one of my favorite things is when we do Mississippi State baseball games on the SEC Plus, Bart Gregory's play-by-play, and I get to do some of them as color. And sometimes he'll show up to the broadcast booth with boiled peanuts that he made that morning. Oh, wow. And we eat them during the broadcast. And that's one of my favorite things. Boiled peanuts being paid to be at a baseball game at Duty Noble Field. And <laughs> and boiled peanuts I didn't have to make or buy. Anyway. How do you how do you get it? You're not on TV, are you? Yeah, you are. How are you eating these things on TV? Well, you're watching the game. You don't okay. even see us but about three or four times throughout the game, Roger. So that'll explain the uh, little splotches where you because you know they're gonna get you're gonna get juiced. You're gonna get juices, squirt you in the eye when you open the thing. But look, we're off camera. Nobody knows unless we comment on it. <laughs> Does he use those jumbos now? Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. He uses the big uh, peanuts. Man, it's September. That's when you gotta you gotta remember September. Yeah, I know it. Hey, uh, real quick, and then I'm coming to the phone, and we've got some text to get to. I want Jay in Baltimore. Uh, Jay, I want you to know I got your text, and I'm gonna come back around to it in about ten minutes from right now. Because uh, I want you to hear something. What you're talking. So, y'all just stay tuned. It's not an inside joke. Jay's text. I'm going to come back to that in a minute. Um, several texts to get to, and then we've also got phone calls. But right now, I promised the folks on Facebook that you were going to hear this, and I want you to hear it as well. Chris Jones is from Lee County, Chickasaw County, in that area, Mississippi. Young kid, he's in Nettleton. He transfers over to Houston High School where he played high school football, became a big star, five-star recruit, went to Mississippi State, three years in college, goes to the NFL early, second-round pick of the Chiefs. Now he's the Chiefs' leading sack man, one of the best defensive tackles in the NFL, the best defensive tackle in Kansas City, a Super Bowl team. He's a local kid who's made it big. And he's been hurt all postseason. He had to miss the first playoff game. 
And then even as an injured player this past week, he played in a critical game for the Chiefs against the Titans. And he was lights out. He was dominant, even though he was hurt. I want you to hear what Chris Jones said about his teammates being a key as to him keeping a positive attitude when he was hurt and couldn't play at what at the time was the most important part of the year. Here he is. Especially an injury at that time, you actually go through a lot. Um, thank God for my guys, uh, my teammates, the D-line, you know, a guy like Frank Clark, that he's all about positive vibes, positive energy. Um, my teammates always uplifting me. Um, <clears throat> you know, just those guys uplifting me and everything because then you get to question yourself why why it happened or what could I have done better, you know, and um, especially in um, playoff games because, uh, you know, playoff isn't promise. And um, especially when you feel like you can do something to help your team to win a game, you know, it's emotionally challenging. And um, I was fortunate enough that the team went out there, executed against um, Houston, and I was able to um, able to play against um, Tennessee Titans and thank KC uh, fans for the, for the prayers. I think they helped. And Miss Fags, um, she actually made me some meatballs. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I think that's what did it. The meatballs had me feeling amazing on Friday. So, uh, More meatballs. Yeah, that's why I told him, man, it's tradition now. He told me, listen, um, that's my wife, just relax. And I told him I'm not trying to make any problems. So the key for Chris to being healthy for the Super Bowl, rest, prayers from Kansas City fans, according to him, and three, Special recipe meatballs from a friend of his who made them for him, and they were the key to getting healthy for the game. More on Chris later. We're going to talk with Ty Harden, who coached Chris Jones in high school. That's coming up later in the show here in the Farm Bureau studio. Paul, I appreciate you hanging on as long as you have here on the Divinity phone, listening in Forest. Hey, Paul. Hey, no problem. How's everything going? Great, man. Happy it's Friday. That was a. I listened to that uh, interview there with uh, Chris Jones, and you know, I I think I've called enough. You probably know I'm an Ole Miss fan, but I really respected Chris Jones. And if I could have traded him for Robert Condici, I would have let y'all have Condici in Mississippi State. I would have taken Chris Jones. Yeah, Paul, it's interesting you bring that up. He was, and it's interesting you bring that up because. That was a big conversation back then when both those guys were in school, one at Ole Miss, one yep. at State. They were both five well, star D tackles. Yeah, uh, got all the national attention. But yeah, mm-hmm. Chris Jones was every bit as good or better, and he's proven to be much better than NFL. Right, and I think Kimbichi could be, but he just doesn't have he, he doesn't have the heart or the motivation. Obviously, mm-hmm. Chris Jones does because he. He he's he's made himself proud, and I'm proud for him. Yeah, well, but he should be. Anyway, um, that obviously wasn't why I called. I, I I was laughing earlier when you had Steve Robertson on, and you referred to him as Rose Bowl. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I'm going to ask you: Do you know why he has that nickname? Yeah, um, it goes back about 20 years, but it was an internet thing. 2001. He... Okay, <laughs> is Preseason prediction for Mississippi State was twelve and one or thirteen and zero national championship, and they went three and eight. And <laughs> unfortunately, and I'm not, I'm, I'm not. Look, I, I don't have anything against Steve. He's a great guy. 
But that that's a I think that's a handle that some of the old Miss people on the internet gave you. I got you. Kind of Appreciate yeah. the call, Paul. And Good to hear from you. When I, when I heard that, I couldn't help but laugh. But I, I'm not making fun of things. Stick around. Yeah, buddy. Here we go. Rolling along with you on a Friday. Welcome into the show. I'm Matt in the Farm Bureau studio. Farm Bureau, go with the home team. They are your home team at Farm Bureau Insurance in all 82 counties across the great state of Mississippi. Hometown heroes, your local Farm Bureau insurance agents. Let's start off with Lynn listening in Corinth on the Divinity Equipment phone. What's up, Lynn? Hey, man. How you doing today? Just right. How are you? All right. Oh, man. I'm hanging in there like a loose tooth. Attaboy. Hey, uh, go ask you something about this defense we got. Uh, see what, what you can tell me about it. And since I know you know a little bit about football. Uh, we're going to be running the three three five, right? Well, you know, I mean, there's, an, there's that assumption, and it could be the case, but – I still think, Lynn, we're, we don't know that for sure because they're not going to come in there with a scheme and just throw it at the, the the team unless the players and personnel can fit it. And I think we, we, need, was, to, we need to hold off and wait and see. That was part of my question, if we had the personnel to fit it. Because uh, ain't that really kind of a complicated defense? I mean, because yeah. you run a lot of exotic stuff out of it, can't you? I mean, yeah, you, you can. and I'm not a coach and don't know a lot of football, but is there not a way to run like underneath zone and man behind it and stuff like that? Well, you know, from a coverage standpoint, if, you, if you're if you in this idea of 3-3-5, it means you have five defensive backs. Well, and if right. that if that's the case, then yes. Because you got five DBs, you can do some different stuff coverage-wise, but everybody does it. Everybody plays – Right. Against four receivers, you'll play man-free. So man-to-man on everybody with one free safety. You'll rotate it to two. You'll try to confuse, you know, with half-field stuff where right. you're going to you're gonna match up one guy in man-to-man and then everybody else is playing zone. So, sure, but everybody does that, Lynn. And right. the thing that I think can be challenging is, again, depending on personnel, if I've only got three true defensive linemen on the field, and let's say – the other three guys in the box are linebacker-type personnel. Well, how are they going to play against a run game, right? Do I have linebackers? That's, that's what I've been wondering. Well, and so you got to have linebackers who, in certain situations and everything, can step down into the line of scrimmage and take on a guard, take on a center. Uh-huh. All right? And so who – And win. And win. And at the very least – eat them up, you know, and not give up ground and not get knocked to the ground. And so it, a lot of it's going to be about personnel. And that's why I say I'm I'm not – until you hear him say it, and he may have a an inclination to want to run a certain thing, but, man, until they run out there in the fall, we're not going to know because I promise you if they get into spring or if they get into the fall and, you know, one guy gets hurt and now – You've actually got more depth at end than you do at linebacker. That could change everything. So I just think it's is nothing wrong with talking about it because they ran a three three five defense out west. Nothing wrong with talking about it. 
as long as we understand as a fan base, Lynn, we're not really going to know for sure what they're going to run until we get about two weeks into fall practice. Does that make sense? Okay. I, yeah, I, I, that does that makes perfect sense. And I, I mean, I know a lot of times all that stuff gets changed at different times throughout a game anyway. Just because yeah. that's your base defense don't mean that's what you're always in. Right. Uh, think of I it just, this way too, Lynn. Think, that, of, think that, of it this okay, way also. In the late 90s under Joe Lee Dunn, they did some exotic stuff where you'd only have three defensive linemen. Only one of those might even have his hand on the ground and guys moving around all over the place. Play a lot of man coverage. But, you know, it was anchored by the fact that you had two NFL cornerbacks on the outside. Smoot on one side right. and Bean on the other. Who they would just lock up in man, and they would lock up in man to man against anybody's receivers on the outside, not on just one side, but on both. You'd locked out if you're Uh, locking up everybody's receivers on the outside. Then here in the middle of the field, we can do all kinds of stuff. And man, that's great. And when the personnel changed, and you all of a sudden stopped locking everybody down in man to man at corner. All of a sudden, people started hitting you for big plays sometimes, and it changed everything. So it's all about personnel. Just remember that. Yeah, that's what I thought. And I, I wondered if it was similar to what y'all run with Joe Lee, because I thought it might have been. Yeah. I'm excited to see it. It sounds like we're going to be a really aggressive football team, and that's better than, that's better than waiting to see what happens. I like trying it. I agree. Well, have a good Friday, Matt, and we're going to listen to you, man. Thank you, Lynn. Thank you. Uh, travel safely. I agree. Aggressiveness. I, you know, as a fan and just watching it, I can take all kinds of, you know, giving up plays here and there if it's at the risk of maybe making a big play on your own, playing downhill and flying around trying to hit the quarterback. You know, if you're trying, I'm totally okay with it. Um, All right, I want to go back to the text line and, and to everybody else. Wes and Hog Jowl and a bunch of others. I'm going to get to your text. We've got plenty of time to do that in hour two. Jay in Baltimore texts me this. Terrific dogpile podcast yesterday. The conversation with Ross Mitchell around slowing down the game by focusing on the NCAA and SEC logos in the stadium for perspective was fascinating. Brilliant coaching by former Bulldog coach Butch Thompson. Here's what Jay is talking about. Here's a snippet. From the most recent episode of the Dogpile podcast with Ross Mitchell, former Mississippi State pitcher. What do you expect from JT? Yeah, I think last year I was, I think, the most impressive thing. He's talking about JT Ginn last year and to this year. That I saw was his maturity and the way that he could slow a game down. Uh, for freshmen, that can be very challenging, especially when things start to go bad. Mm. And he had a very uh, unique ability to just almost just be able to breathe, relax, and just get to the next batter. And and you saw some of the you know the other freshmen uh, get rattled a little bit quicker. Mm-hmm. So I think even having a full season and now being kind of uh, you know given the role as a leader on this pitching staff, whereas I think last year that was definitely Ethan Small. Uh, so he didn't have to be that leader. He could kind of learn. And now taking on new responsibilities as a leader of the staff, uh, I think it's just going to give him a little bit more confidence. And I think he can continue to slow the game down like he did last year. It's going to be very special. And for these new guys that are going to be possibly taking over that weekend role, 
that's going to be the biggest thing. How quickly can they learn to slow the game down? How quickly can they, uh, you know, take away the distractions of when things aren't going well and, and just and just pitch? And yeah. if they can do that, then it'll be it'll be a good special year because we got the talent in the arms. Uh, we just don't have the maturity yet. Yeah. You um you say slow the game down and you mentioned, you know, kind of taking a breath and kind of the internally in your own head slowing it down a little bit. But if you were to get technical with me a little bit on the mound, are there, are there some physical things you go through when you're slowing the game down in terms of, I know you're on the pitch clock, but in terms of throwing over and holding runners and all that, take me through some of the technical aspects of how a pitcher can slow the game down, Ross. Yeah, I remember one uh, thing that we did uh, when Coach Thompson was with me, and we even if we went to a new stadium, uh, which later on in our career we would only we wouldn't practice at a stadium before we uh, traveled. Uh, but what he'd have us do, and especially at Duty Noble, I had two different things that I could look at in the field, and one of them was, I think it was behind home plate, we had an NCAA logo. Uh, and then, and then, behind, by, I think in the maybe behind the scoreboard or something, there was an SEC logo. Mm. So those were my two focal points. Uh, the first one, NCAA. I had to remind myself, hey, I'm playing college baseball, so mm. I've I've obviously done something to get to that point. And then my second one was the SEC. It was just a reminder. Not only am I playing college baseball, I'm playing at the highest level. And just being able to kind of separate myself from the crowd, from the situation, and just see that focal point and remind myself of why I'm even here, uh, that was that was one of my tools to slow me down, relax, and then kind of refocus. That's a clip of that interview with Ross Mitchell. The whole thing, the whole interview is available for you in the most recent episode of the Dogpile podcast. And what I would encourage you to do, if you haven't subscribed, subscribe to it. But there's a link. If you look at my Twitter feed, I'm Radio Wyatt. Uh, there's a, a tweet here recently today that's got, that'll take you to where everything is, where you can subscribe on Apple iTunes with your iPhone or Google. If you don't have an iPhone, you have another type of device or you know, Stitcher or Spotify or even the RSS feed, any way that you can possibly subscribe to a podcast, there's a link there. Just look at my Twitter feed, at Radio Wyatt. It's in my tweets today. You'll see it, Dogpile Podcast, or just search for it yourself because uh, we got a lot of new stuff coming your way. Yes, and so that entire interview with Ross is there. That's an interesting thing, though. This is a guy who pitched at a very high level, by the way, on a College World Series team. And he's talking about slowing the game down. And last year as a true freshman, he was impressed with JT Ginn's ability to slow the game down sometimes. And I thought, well, what does that mean and how do you do it? And he said for him, one thing he would do is look at the logos painted on the backstop. He'd look at that NCAA logo, take a deep breath, and remind himself, I'm playing college baseball and I'm on the mound. And so I've obviously done something to deserve the right to be here. And that would give him confidence and it'd slow it down and kind of put him in the right mindset to go back and attack the situation, even if the bases are juiced or if you've given up a run and that kind of thing. I found it very interesting, too. And, Jay, in Baltimore, I appreciate your text bringing it up, and thanks for listening as well. All right, hour two coming up. And we're going to talk with a guy next who coached 
in high school in Mississippi, one of these guys who's going to play in the Super Bowl. That's coming up. Stick around.